0: Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I am a social media marketer, writer, and a mom to three boys, ages four, two, and one.
1: And I'm Tara Lynn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 10, 8, eight, five, and two. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together.
0: All right, everybody. So we're going to start out with our high five, our high five, (laughs) our high five. And I'm keeping it light today because we're talking about loss and grief. So I thought I'm going to start out with a little very shallow high five. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. Um, it's winter here in Utah for the last 12 months and you guys,
1: I don't, (laughs) (laughs) it's 17 months long winter
0: (laughs) and I'm craving the sun. So my high five is going to go towards this lotion that I tried called tan gradual. That's the actual name, but it's like a clean ingredient, slow tanning. So, you know, there's like the go in your bathroom, strip down and try to get every inch of you with this tanning thing and it never works out and you look like a zebra for me. (laughs) and you have to wear
1: gloves (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) this one's just like get out of the shower and put lotion on but it doesn't have a lot of those have kind of yucky stuff in them so this one's like a clean one and it doesn't really smell gross anyways so tan gradual and it's white so like you put it on and you don't really know it's just like lotion and then you get a slow tan oh
1: okay everyone try it i might need (laughs) that more than you Alicia has this, this like n- beautiful olive skin, and no. in the summertime, it's embarrassing. <laughs> we like we go swimming in the pool, <laughs> she's like this just naturally, just you just have it naturally. And I have given up decades ago of ever even being 10. So, <laughs> anyway, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Whatever we have is mm-hmm. just right. <laughs> I sound like my mom, anyway. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Or that's what I at least say to my kids. So I guess sometimes the advice we give to our children, we just keep giving it to ourselves in hopes that it (laughs) sticks. sticks. exactly. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Sorry. Guys, we've been dealing
0: with garage band issues here for about two hours, and our minds are a little numbed by this. So we're trying to record on two devices to make sure we get you guys really good sound. And so... Sorry.
1: Okay, so my <laughs> thing that I have next, I was just thinking about summer and swimming at the pool and how great that is and my non tanness. And anyway, my, my face palm, we're gonna, now we're gonna go, we're gonna go into the heavy stuff. <laughs> so there's face palms where, you know, it's like the, like our ones in the past, where it's like, you know, like little mistakes, we do funny things, whatever. And it's like a, well, like, you know, hit yourself in the forehead with your palm. This is more like a sink your head down <laughs> into your palm, like I'm defeated. That kind of a pose. Okay, <laughs> so different kind of face palm. But we and my family have been going through some grief, which is what sparked this topic today. Um, we had our little pet parakeet die, which I know maybe for some of you, you're like, that's not even a big deal, but... It's my daughter's parakeet, who she loved so much. And he was like, I've never loved a pet like this parakeet. Like, he was so much of a part of our lives. I mean, he, he comes down on our shoulder for breakfast time, and he spends all day with us, because, again, I homeschool, so he's, like, part of our classroom every day. And he could do tricks, and she, he'd come when she called. And he was just like, so I mean, sweet. he just sit on all of our shoulders. He was so sweet. Anyway, we loved him so, so much. And... This, for me, have been, it's been the pet that I've had the hardest time losing in my life, but I actually think, not only did we love him so much, and he was so wonderful, but it's been so hard watching my kids experience, I mean, like, this is the most grief they have ever felt. I mean, they've they've lost, um, like, great-grandparents before, but this was like a, you know, he was younger than, he he wasn't expecting it, and... For them, it's been like their most raw grief that me and my husband have witnessed in them. And it's been it's been a lot to watch them. So that's my face palm. Resting face palm. Yes, resting face palm. <laughs> and we're going to delve a lot into what that means. But that's what we've been going through. And I've been surprised at how much it's actually affected me and my state this whole week. And it's been interesting to observe that in myself. And I feel like I've actually learned a lot. So we're going to talk about that.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about grief and loss in a few different forms. Um, We all experience grief, whether it's in just small daily losses, maybe loss of an identity, um, lifestyle changes, like big moves or losing a job. We also experience grief through our children, and we take on their burden of grief. So we're going to give some tips
1: on how to recognize and process both our own grief as well as our children's grief. And... I just want to explain real quick that this applies. We're going to be talking about some serious heavy stuff and some lighter things, but we feel like this applies to everybody because everybody experiences, we're going to give you a lot of examples that hopefully apply to whatever, whatever you're going through in life right now. So my personal experiences with grief, um, started, I mean, for every, again, part of living life and loving things is experiencing the loss of those things. But when I was nine years old, my, grandma died who we were really close with and she was pretty young and um six months later my uncle was actually murdered which was for me as a small child and he I was really close with him and for me as a small child like it was a huge huge tsunami of grief not only for me but I I was there when they came to tell my cousin's family we're really close with my cousin's family so, like, when the police came to tell them what had happened, I was there. And, like, looking at that grief, like, I, I mean, still to this day, I've never seen any raw grief on that scale ever in my entire life. And so, as a child, it was really, I mean, it was a lot. And and then, you know, I watched for years after what that grief looks like. And it affected me a lot. In fact, I remember a few years later, I was, like, 12 And I remember thinking, "What else is like? What is going to happen next?" Because it's been a few years Mm -hmm. since that happened, and it was such a big deal. Like, what else? I just felt like part of life was having to go through really hard, traumatic losses over and over and over. And if a certain amount of time went by in between it, I, I, I mean, I was so afraid. Like, somebody else close to me is going to die. And I think that's a normal part of grief to to have that kind of feeling of like it has to happen regularly, or else we're not living. But I just want to. Put it out there that although, of course, part of living is experiencing losses, I've also experienced that there is no quota that we have to experience a certain amount of traumatic things. It's just part of living is, yes, there are losses, but you can go a long time in between them, and that's okay, too. You can find safety in living in those positive times as well without dreading what's going to happen in the future. And that's part of living in the present moment, and that's where... This whole concept that we've been talking about and we're going to keep talking about awareness and presence, all those kinds of things, it allows you to live in the happy times without the fear of loss in the future. So anyway, it's like we're trying to balance here this idea of teaching and explaining how to process loss, but at the same time live in peace and not in fear when you're not experiencing loss. And both of those two things I think are equally as important. So fast forward a few years. um, When I was 22, uh, my best childhood friend, her name was Lindsay. um, I mean, we'd grown up together. We were super close. And she, she just died suddenly. Suddenly, like nobody even knew why. And it was, again, totally jarring. And now that was my first big loss, I feel like, as an adult. And... That, it was interesting because I could watch myself go through the different stages of grief. And also that one for me lasted because it was so personal, so close. She was such a big part of my life. I, I circled back to a lot of the different stages of grief. So we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the stages of grief here. But I just want to mention them. They are, um, because I mean, you can get so much great information about the stages of grief. That really isn't our space here. We're not grief counselors. But um, I just wanna mention that the stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And the reason why I think it's helpful just to mention what they are is because in my own experience, I've realized that first of all, you don't have to experience all of them to have it be complete. Um, But that second of all, they're not in a particular order. And I've noticed for me, I circle back to different emotions, different stages after I think I'm already past it. So with my friend Lindsay, um, I went through all of them, but the denial part subconsciously I had for years. In fact, I still sometimes have dreams where she's like in my mind, I can tell it's like, no, she's She's not dead. She's still here. Mm -hmm. And so I can still tell part of my subconscious feels that denial. So that's been the one for me on that grief that's lasted the longest. So the reason why I'm sharing that is because somebody told me that once, or I read it somewhere, I don't know. But it's so helpful for me to know, oh, that's a normal thing to still sometimes circle back, even that you think Mm -hmm. you're like through a stage, and then you can circle back to it. And that's, that's okay. You just notice that it's just you observe it. And you breathe into it and you feel peaceful about it. So anyway, and then our most recent experience um, of grief has obviously been our pet, which we'll talk about when we talk about our kids later. So one huge loss that we all
0: experience is like we have an expectation and your life doesn't go exactly how you want. Um, So for me, I have had to, over my life, grieve what I had hoped that my family would look like. What's the right word for that? You're my parents, not my little family. Yes. What's that word? I don't know. I don't know. So what I thought... It's the family my you grew parents, up in. Yeah, yeah. My growing up family should have been my mom, my dad, brothers and sisters, our home life. Um, I, I've i mentioned it before, but my mom raised us as a single parent, and um, she... She did her very best that she could, but it definitely wasn't like a conventional family situation (laughs) for sure. And I went through high school wishing that it was even, I mean, as far as lying, I told people, I lied about it all the time just because (laughs) it was either whatever the feelings were embarrassing or I was just trying to be something else. So. Like you would just say,
1: you'd just say what your family situation was? Like, oh, yeah. my mom and dad are here. Yeah. Okay.
0: yeah. Or we live here. I would lie about where we live because we moved uh, all the time. Uh huh. <clears throat> and so. That makes sense. Just totally, you know, that's denial <laughs> completely. And then when I decided to go to college, I was really kind of numbing out and pushing out, trying to forget that family. Like I still loved them and my brothers and sisters, but like the what it was what it actually was I was trying to numb it out, crowd it out and move on to creating my own family which I mean if we all we all know that doesn't work <laughs> to numb stuff out. So, I just, you know, went on with I'll just get a job and get married and I'll make my own little perfect family that will replace that almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and it wasn't until so I got married, and then about a probably six months into getting married, my mom actually went to jail. And so I won't go into reasons, but when she called me to tell me, it was like almost like an instant. I was just overcome with this feeling of this is it, this is what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Like I get to face it. I can't numb this out. I can't crowd it out. I can't lie, but I can't. And I just, yeah, I had to face it. And it made me realize that all of that, that I, what was my family made me. So if Mm. it hadn't been that, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be the person that I am Mm -hmm. for my kids for whatever. So it was for me, that one was a single moment of acceptance of it all,
1: but it's not always like that that makes sense but you're saying that you had to that the processing actually for you was just facing it and facing that loss and actually experiencing the feelings that come with the loss yeah. of oh that that wasn't how i was hoping it would be mm-hmm. and it never is it going never to will be, be. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah my mom grew up with a uh, an emotionally and verbally abusive father and um she says that she you know her both her mother and her father died later in life well, actually, sorry, she was really young when her mom died, but her, her dad died later and she said that for her, the grief for him was actually a lot stronger because it was the loss of, I'm never going to have the dad who I wanted, mm-hmm. who met those needs for me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Totally. And it's it can be really difficult to face that, but we just want you guys to know out there, whatever your expectation was that wasn't met, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to face that and be sad about it. And feel those emotions and observe it and process it. Because once you process it, you're so much freer on the other side. Mm-hmm. Instead of wishing, oh, like even in your mind, I mean, going back and being like, oh, if I could just relive that part of my childhood. But we can't go back and actually change it. We can change the emotions inside of us. And we can do self-parenting and self-healing on the inside of us. But when we fight against that that was the reality of it, like Byron Katie says, we lose a hundred percent of the time yeah. because we can't go back and actually change reality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And I know I just mentioned Byron Katie. I don't think we've mentioned her before. We'll talk about her in depth in a whole nother episode. Cause she is awesome. Okay. So one piece I want to talk about that is for me, uh, it's the worst part. Well, I don't know. It's hard to say what the worst part of grief is for me, but, um, but if I had to name it, I would say regret is the worst part of grief for me. So there's you know simple grief like the, I love this thing and I lost it and now I'm grieving it. But for me, I think for all of us, there are times where we do something that causes the thing that makes us grieve and that part is the worst for me. That's the stuff that I relive over and over and over. And I go back to my mind and I try to change it, but of course I can't change it. Or and we even, think we caused the thing. Yes, or we think we, we caused it. Yes, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. And and obviously this doesn't mean I, I, you still go to all the work you can to make it better. But if, if you do do something that causes a reason for grief, because we all do things that are dumb sometimes, um, obviously you do everything you can to reconcile and make it better, make amends. But there are some times where after all we can do to make amends, there's still grief there. And regret. And I hate the feeling of regret. I mean, I remember just with little things as a kid, like, I mean, I was trying to do, like, can I do anything to turn back time? Maybe if I concentrate hard <laughs> enough, I can, like, turn it back. You know, if I broke something, just dumb things where it's like something that I loved that I ruined, and I'd be like, oh, can I just turn back time? And obviously, those are small things. But with bigger things, I mean, that regret can just consume you. And so I'm gonna just share what I have done um, on my last big regret, what I did that helped me. And that is, so I know we talk about meditation all the time. And if you need a review on how we do our meditations or how we work it into our day, go back to our first two episodes where we both talk about our morning routines. But for me, that's like my healing space, my place I go. So for me, with like that feeling of regret, I actually found it to be really helpful. So for any of you out there who have something in your life that you've regretted, that you're having a hard time forgiving, finding forgiveness for inside of yourself after you've done everything you can do to make amends. Um, I actually go into a meditate. I just go into, you know, sit down, take a few deep breaths, get into a relaxed state. And I actually let myself go to the place where I feel the most regret for. So if you're regretting something over like a long period of time, there's usually one experience you can bring up that kind of symbolizes the regret. And so for me, it was this time on this last thing of regret. It was this time where I I had the prompting to do this and reach out and help and I didn't and it ended up causing something really sad. And so I pictured that moment, that f- that time when I when I saw the need and I didn't reach out and help and what that caused and I actually like let myself feel it. Like feel that regret cuz lots of times we avoid that memory because we don't want to feel it cuz regret feels so bad. So anyway, so I just went into that place, f- pictured that that one moment that kind of symbolized the, the depth of my regret. And I just let my feel, myself feel it, like lean into the feeling. And I know we say all the time, lean into it, but it's really helpful for me to actually say those words in my mind. Lean into that feeling of regret. So it's almost like you're making it get bigger at first, which mm-hmm. feels wrong. But as we know, when you lean into an emotion and you actually let it get stronger, it allows it to process through. Yeah. And that's where... It was in that space that I can find forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't think there's any way to talk about forgiveness without talking about God. So Felicia and I are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So we're Christians. So when I talk about God, obviously that means God, our Heavenly Father, Christ. And so that's who I picture when I'm in that moment and I have that thing. I I picture myself just like handing over. I actually literally picture, I put it at Christ's feet and then I picture him picking it up for me because he says we can lay our burdens on him. I picture him picking it up and I picture him come standing next to me and we're yoked together, but he's holding the weight of it. And I, and I'm sorry, this is a really emotional episode, but (laughs) I, like I was talking to Felicia about it. (laughs) We've already cried many times just in the preparation (laughs) for it, but um, I've actually found that regardless of what the experience is, that God can actually take the burden of it. And so we don't have to carry the weight of it anymore. Even though, obviously, the the past doesn't change, he can take the weight of it. So whatever your experience with God is, whatever religion you are, I have very spiritual friends who come from all sorts of different religions, and however they see God, they still can find that peace when you connect forgiveness to God. Or the the loving power that created the world. However you see God, I believe the forgiveness and God are really connected. And also this goes along with anytime you're experiencing grief that has to do with somebody else, something somebody else has done that has caused you pain and loss. It could be betrayal. It could be all sorts of things like that that require the forgiveness of somebody else. The same thing works. And I've used the same thing. You can go into that space take a few deep breaths, you can incorporate it into prayer, but you still go into that space and you picture what the other person, whatever that other person did that you're trying to forgive and you lean into that emotion. So again, it's not your regret now, you're actually leaning into somebody else's now. And you lean into it and the same thing, you you lean into it and you feel present with it and you allow yourself to go through the pain of it and then you hand it over to whatever power you believe in. And you just do that over and over. And I have found healing and forgiveness on both sides i've been able to forgive other people and uh, myself for the different regrets that i have and so that's just something that i have experienced that i think is worth trying out i think we all have something to forgive <laughs> whether it's somebody else or something ourselves you know anyway so there you go and on that note um I think
0: when Terlin talks about meditation, sometimes that word, at least for me, when I first started hearing yeah. meditation, I was like, eh, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. yoga mat, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> Candles, I'm not meditating, this mm-hmm. is weird. And so for me, a lot of times, I do meditate now and I've found my own meditation process, which I think you have to just start slow and figure out what that is for you. There's really no right way. But a lot of times for me, it's going through those daily experiences and being still, like Mm -hmm. even three breaths of stillness after something even silly, like your kid has a really hard tantrum. Mm -hmm. That's a meditation. That's being in that moment. Totally. And so if you can practice that even in the small daily things, I think it'll lead up to being able to have full blown like burden lifting
1: meditations if you can get still yes in those moments and what you're saying is being present like those breaths bring you back to the present moment that is meditation and healing and stillness all there yeah yes excellent and another thing if if you have a prayer practice a great way to start is just at the end of your prayer just hold still Mm -hmm. and just See what you balance. feel and mm-hmm. do some thinking in that space. Yeah. Because I think prayer is a great introduction into it. So, for a lot of people, going straight into a meditation, yeah, you're right. Sounds weird. But do something that you're already doing that yeah. is stillness or prayer or whatever, and then just stay in that space for yep. a little longer. Yep.
0: Beautiful. I always noticed that um, I had a hard time being in that like stillness zone before. I came to the realization with my family, like when I would be in Mm. silence, I'm like, I need to turn music on or watch something, like watch a show. I felt very uncomfortable because it was not the quiet. It was being inside my own mind. And those things would come back up. Yes. But once you realize that there's a process to bringing them back up,
1: sitting with them and letting them leave, you're not afraid of that. I totally agree. And that's a good thing to be aware of that it's a it's a hint it's like a little tip to you if you're in stillness and you're feeling the need to fill that stillness with Mm -hmm. other noise because you don't like the thoughts that are coming up that's like a good it's like our subconscious way of saying hey there's something you need to process Mm -hmm. here totally and instead of trying to numb it i love it just take it as a oh thank you it's a sign you're telling Mm -hmm. me there's something i need to process so let me just take a minute what is that feeling i'm feeling where am i feeling it lean into the feeling a little bit and so a lot of i'd say 99 percent of the time for me, that's enough. Yes. Yeah. This, really oh, yeah. this is what I'm feeling. Oh this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. And then there are other things, obviously we're talking about heavier stuff now that take a little bit more time. But yeah. Oh, I love that. Total. That's such a good tip. Thanks, Felicia. Of
0: course. We're gonna take a little break and we'll be back to talk about your child's grief.
1: Okay, so now we're going to be talking about how to help our kids with grief. And this doesn't just apply to kids. I mean, it could apply to anybody in your life that you love, but obviously Felicia and I are parents, so it always comes back <laughs> to our kids. And the unique situation parents have or any adult when you're helping a child go through grief is I picture it like you're you're helping kind of shepherd them through a difficult situation and you're teaching them, they're going to be creating pathways because grief is really strong. So your brain goes to a really strong place and it's important that we teach them intentional ways of getting through that. I'm not even going to say getting out of it because really the only way out is through grief. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just like step out, unfortunately. <laughs> you have to just go through yeah. it. But um, so, so I'm going to use some examples from my kids this week. So first of all, my little my little eight-year-old, so it was my 10-year-old's pet who died, but all of us obviously love it. So my eight-year-old who has been working for her own pet in our family, the rule is uh, you have to feed our cat, totally take care of our cat for a full year before you can even talk about, think about getting your, something else for you to take care for. And so, you know, my eight-year-old has been working and looking forward to the day when she can get her own pet and She was crying and she was like, I don't want a pet anymore because this hurts too bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's true. It does hurt. It does hurt. And that's okay. And sitting in that space is okay. And part of loving, you do always run the risk of losing. And that is part of what makes love so beautiful, really, but um, also can cause some pain. So the next day after our little. So I'm just going to use this example of the bird as a type for. Any of the grief out there, but it's just because it's so recent and it's easy to use as an example. So the day after we found out, you know, he had died the night before. We woke up, we you know stayed up. Everybody's crying, and then we and the next morning we woke up, and before my kids woke up, I was talking with my husband, and I was like, "This is their first really intense experience with personal grief. So whatever we teach them here, what they're going to do with their grief, that's they're going to go back to that next time they feel grief." the little neuropathways in their brains are going to go back to whatever we give them here to soothe. They're going to try to go back to that. So for example, so I am a really like with food, I am super like, I don't have a strict thing with food. Really. My only rule with food is to be present with your food and enjoy it and emphasizing the deliciousness of healthy, nutritious foods. But like, I don't have any foods that are like a villain or that are like this bad thing. So Anyway, that's my general just outlook on food. But for me in grief, I feel like we have to be, it's important to be really intentional with what we put into our bodies in a loving way. So if when I feel grief, my automatic thing is to reach for donuts, my brain processes that as when I'm in emotional pain, I can reach for a donut and that will help soothe my emotional pain. And that I don't feel like it's healthy, right? Mm -hmm. So, again, I have no problem with donuts. I just don't want to be reaching for a donut when I'm in pain. I want to be able to enjoy a donut when I want to enjoy a donut but not feel like I'm enslaved to that donut. You know know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Anyway, so I was like to my husband, we need to make sure today with whatever we help her with, it's something we want her to reach for in the future anytime she feels emotional pain. So I'm not going to wake up and feed her a bunch of cookies because – Obviously, that the next time, that's just what she's going to reach for. And I'm not going to numb out the whole day by, let's just watch movie after movie after movie to take our mind off of this, because next time she'll reach for only numbing with technology. Mm-hmm. Again, there's nothing wrong with watching a movie, and being entertained by a movie, but to numb out pain and just watching it all day isn't going to be a healthy thing for the future. So it was really unique. It was actually a really beautiful, sacred experience that day. We spent some time in the morning. She cried. We talked about what she was feeling. And I told her that whatever she felt was going to be okay. And, you know, to share whatever she feels like sharing. And it's okay to feel that way. And then, like, when I fed her breakfast, it was a really nutritional breakfast. And I said things like, "Your." are going through something hard right now so I'm going to give you the most um, nutritional food I can give you to help your brain and your body so it's almost like you're fueling yourself with love like when you Mm -hmm. put it into your mouth it's like oh I'm taking care of myself so it's like a self care extreme self care Mm -hmm. right and it didn't mean we just sat around all day and cried you know there was obviously some crying in the morning but then we ended up going out in the afternoon and having a good time it was wholesome fun that we did and it was really awesome and we had some time connecting, we had a really nice meal that evening, and just connected and talked, and it was it was really nice. And we, we watched a movie that night and just snuggled as a family, and but it was more intentional, deliberate. We're not doing this to numb. We're literally this is because we want to snuggle and just settle down at the end of the night. But mm-hmm. um, but anyway, for me that was actually like a really beautiful, sacred experience, and I I was able to have this conversation with her that I loved, and Eckhart Tolle and I know we refer to him all the time because he's so awesome, in his book, A New Earth. He talks about, so we live a lot of our lives on the level of thought. So we have thoughts coming in and out. A lot of times we don't even feel like we can control them, right? The thoughts just come in, they come out. And that's where a lot of people live most of their lives. Then there's, so I picture, so I describe this to my daughter as like, here's like a, a line, here's where thought is. Then when we dip below thought, that's numbing out. So that's like, where I just surf the internet because I'm trying to numb out the thought. Or watching TV for a long period of time can be an example of going below thought, like you're trying to just escape from thought. Or stuffing your face with junk food, or we call it play food at our house. You know, like it's just, that can be numbing. Again, to be clear, I know I've said this before, but there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But when you're doing them to numb out emotion, then they can become unhealthy. But then there's places above thought. So meditation, stillness. That's a place above thought. So you're not necessarily thinking for that whole time, but it's it's like elevating and it's rejuvenating. Also wholesome fun, like what me and my daughter did that afternoon. And now we had fun. It took our mind off of the loss for a little bit, but we weren't like going below thought and numbing ourselves out. We were going above it and it was rejuvenating. And so when you're in grief, that doesn't mean I'm saying that you have to just like sit there in the grief every second because mm-hmm. that doesn't sound very fun. Obviously, you're going to have times where you're sitting in it and it's important to allow yourself to sit there. But, um, but it's okay to do things that take you above thought. So for me, hiking, going places with my family, things like that, when they feel right, you go and you do them. And it was really cool because as we went throughout the day, my daughter would be like, oh, yeah, I can feel this. This is This is making me feel good and rejuvenate me. You know what I mean? Anyway, Mm -hmm. I I just like that kind of example, and it was so great to have a conversation with – and even at 10, she could understand that concept of this is how I feel. I don't like the way I feel right now, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to feel it. And then where are we going to go from there? Are we going to try to numb it out? Are we going to try to do things that make us rejuvenated and happy? And then we can go back to that space of hardness and difficulty, but we can go in and out of it. But in a, if we kind of concentrate on staying above that level instead of numbing down, I think mm-hmm. that's a helpful tool. I agree. And also,
0: kids go through... I, for a lot of the times... So with this loss, for your whole family, it was intense. But I think a lot of times, kids go through losses that for us, were like, come yes. on. Yes. Like your blankie's <laughs> lost? Yes. Get over it. But if we can recognize all those things for them, all those emotions for them and accept them instead of trying to like blot them out. If we can empathize with them, um, however small they are, then that'll help them. I mean, with their relationships in the future, being able to empathize Mm -hmm. and also, um, just that trust and connection that we're trying to establish with our kids. If they know that we're still going to hold, because I think the temptation sometimes when kids are throwing a big, like, emotional thing is, oh, you're okay, you're fine. Here, do you want to just get a new bird? Like, yes you know, uh-huh. that. The next day,
1: just here. Yeah. <laughs> here. here, it's a wizard.
0: <laughs> a whole new thing and just push them through it. Um, but if we can sit in it, but still, we're still holding our boundaries. Like, wow, your blankie's lost and you're really, really sad. We still have to go to bed, though. Mm-hmm. But we can be sad about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Like when you're moving, I've heard a lot of people through like moving and new babies, especially where their kids are having these huge emotional reactions, like especially to a new baby, where their world, if you think about it, they are essentially grieving the parents that they had. The whole world that they had is a new world and they lost that old world. And so there's a tendency to like, oh, let's go buy a new toy. And I'm not saying that. Doing extra special
1: things isn't good. Of course. It's just like dessert. You can have dessert that day, just don't have it all day trying to step down the emotions.
0: Yep, exactly. So keeping, this is still our normal family life. These are still our boundaries. I see you though. And I Mm -hmm. love you. And those emotions are totally normal. And let's talk about them. But like you having this huge tantrum isn't going to make it better. Yes, yes, I love because that. Because we all know adults who mm-hmm. still have
1: adults who still have huge tantrums. <laughs> it's so true. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So can we take yes. them through that? Yeah. Yes, and the new baby thing I think is worth saying because for most parents, I mean, sometimes as parents, we grieve the change that happens with the new baby, and mm-hmm. that's totally fine. But for a lot of times for an adult, it's like, this baby is awesome, you know what yeah, I mean? I'm feeling baby. mostly yeah. happy about this. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying that happens every time, but, you know, sometimes that's the case. Mm-hmm. And every time when a new baby is born, even if that, older sibling loves the baby, they always, Janet Lansbury says, there's always an amount of grief that happens on the inside Mm -hmm. of an older kid when a new baby is born. Because it is a loss. It's a loss of a lot of things. And they're gaining a lot as well. But just because you're gaining something out of a situation doesn't mean you're not losing as well. I feel like that with a move myself. We just moved last year and there's a lot of things we gained, but there are still a lot of things we lost. Yep. That are going to be different. It's just a loss of It's something that's changed that's different, and it's okay to recognize that that requires some grieving sometimes
0: going through it. And being aware of a lot of times when my kids are going through something hard, like maybe they're hitting their siblings or being especially defiant, I try to, like before meditation, just think about them and think about what are they going through that could be a loss for them, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Even if it's you had a baby six months ago, they're <laughs> still that's still changing their life in a huge way. Well, and
1: babies keep changing, so they just keep yeah. up that <laughs> that concept of processing things. I yes. mean, all of a sudden now the baby can reach their toys. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a whole nother level. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yes, I mean? Like it's so true. Now all my legos get broken every mm-hmm. day because now that baby can walk. So yep. that's I guess that's I think why parenting is such a sp- parenting is a spiritual practice. I think because they teach us there's so much change and so many stages that we have to move through with as much grace as we can and constantly. And yeah. that's part of it. I love it. Beautiful. So
0: there is a book by John W. James called when children grieve. Um, and it's for adults to help children deal with uh, death, divorce, loss, any sort of loss. Um, Terlin and I have both not read this book, but it is highly recommended by Janet Lansbury, who we love and we've, recommended. Um and so there are just some tips that he gives in the book to helping your children and we wanted to share them with you. So the first one is listen with your heart not your head, allow all emotions to be expressed without judgment, criticism or analysis, which I mean, that mm-hmm. sums up everything, yep. empathize. Recognize that grief is emotional not intellectual, avoid the trap of asking your child, "What's wrong?" Or he or she will automatically say nothing, um, especially with older kids, I think. Adults go first, especially express, express your emotions, telling the truth about your own grief. And I wanted to add a little note here that it might not be the best to be like explain explain your emotions and how you're feeling and whatever your authentic personality is to share. But I think it could scare kids for us to have big like wailing, crying. Fit. so maybe yeah. trying to work through yeah. those
1: and they and can then see express. us yeah they yeah. can see us cry yeah but yeah i mean a lot of times if you're dealing with your own grief you'll probably do some closet crying yes. as well and yeah. <laughs> that's okay <laughs> and you can tell your kids i don't think there's anything wrong with saying i am feeling a little sad about wizard dying today mm-hmm. wizard is the name of our bird um so yeah i'm feeling a little down sorry i said something cranky there yeah you know i'm feeling exactly. i'm feeling down you mm-hmm. know and there's nothing wrong with saying that that that's going through your mind right now and having them see that you're going through your own grief. That's okay.
0: Yeah. Um, remember that each of your children is unique and has unique relationship to the loss. Be patient. Don't force your child to talk. And don't say, don't feel sad or don't feel scared because sadness and fear are the two most common feelings attached to loss of any kind and
1: essential to being human. And that's part of, that goes along with everything we ever say, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever emotion they're feeling, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And don't, I love, I love the when listen with your heart, not your head. Cause there's so many times where we want to just rationalize it out. You know, like when my daughter said she doesn't want another pet, it's so easy to be like, Yes, you do. Trust me, one day you're going to want another pet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that actually sentence isn't helpful for her right then. Right. One day she will want a pet probably, but whenever Mm -hmm. that time is, it's fine. I don't have to like convince her of that right this second. You know what I mean? I'm just sitting there with her in her emotion.
0: Yep. Um, And another tip coming from Janet Lansbury's website was Uh, Janet was giving advice to a parent who was dealing with this loss, and she had a therapist comment on her post that said, be very real in terms of specifics with death. So, for example, if you have a neighbor die and you just say, she got really sick and she died, for a kid, that could put in fear of getting sick. So to name it, cancer, heart attack, stroke, and explain how that, how they died, being very specific about it, um, just to give them that conf- concrete information and avoid creating that fear of vagueness
1: when yes. they don't know. Because otherwise, anytime they hear the word just generally sick, you know, they have a cold, they have to stand from school, and they're, they're thinking die. I'm dying, yeah. you know? So yeah, I think, I think as adults, sometimes we, obviously we're not going to give kids the full burden of what a sickness like cancer looks like, mm-hmm. but just naming it, I do think gives them power. So, and obviously you can just use your judgment on age appropriateness. But I I love that idea that even a three-year-old can know, oh, a stroke. Yeah. That's what happened to my grandma. That's not what I have when I have a fever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's different. Exactly. So something I want to talk about as we, I mean, we've talked about moving through grief and I want to talk about something that sounds kind of weird, but I feel really strongly about it. And that is that there are gifts of grief. And sometimes I'm, like, almost nervous to talk about them because I it kind of, like, I think it rubs me wrong and it rubs a lot of people wrong sometimes when you have people be like, oh, it's just for the best. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. Because I think that a lot of times if we could choose, we would choose not to have losses and we do things we can in our life to avoid having grief. But so I'm not at all saying that tragedies are for the best. I'm not saying that. But when you do have tragedies and you do have hard things, although you wouldn't choose them, we pay a price with the pain that we feel. So for me, if you're already going through the pain of it, you might as well see the good stuff that comes out of it too, because there is, there is always good that comes after grief or even during grief. It opens your eye for me. Okay. So I'm just gonna talk about a few of the gifts of grief. For me, one of my favorite gifts of grief is the ability that you have to see grief in others. And also for me, it's almost like my eyes open when I experience a certain kind of grief. It's like my heart opens and my eyes open so that when I see grief in others, it doesn't look like just regular sadness to me. But when I've experienced that particular kind of grief, I can identify it in somebody else. And it actually blows my mind because every time I've grieved a specific loss, I mean, I'll literally like be there with somebody and see their faces and it comes into my mind. That person... Like, I know that feeling Mm because I felt that one before. Mm -hmm. That's what loss of a loved one looks like. Or that's what this kind of grief looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because I feel like we can actually comfort those around us in a way with actual true empathy. Like, I have been there. Maybe not that exact situation, but I know what that that pain feels Mm -hmm. like. And that to me has been, I mean, literally I remember one time sitting in a group of people and I saw this woman sitting across and I remember thinking she's feeling that. Like I have felt, I have felt that and I can see that on her face. And so to me, it's really nothing short of beautiful that it opens your eyes to see others in a different, totally different way. And it allows us to connect with each other in a different way. And it also helps us with, when time goes on, it allows us to give comfort. And I, I think there are few things on this earth that we do that's more sacred than helping other people in their own pain. I think it's a really amazing chance that we have, and that is a gift that comes with grief. And the other thing I want to point out, that as we go through grief and come out on the other side, I have had people tell me that once they've gone through something difficult, when they start feeling a little joy, even the joy sometimes they feel guilty about, so they push it's it like back tainted down. joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so say so you've gone through a loss, and these are obviously probably a heavier loss that we're talking about here. I don't know if we experience that if we lose a crayon like a kid. You know what I mean? I mean, this is heavier losses, but if you experience a loss and then you feel a moment of joy come back, a lot of times you'll feel different things come in perhaps. So say you're working on, say it's a regretful loss. You think I don't deserve to feel that joy and you push it down or Say you're dealing with the loss of a loved one and you feel like, oh, well, they're not even here to feel that, so you push it down. Or I shouldn't be feeling joy, so I push it down. That is super, super, super common. Because sometimes when you're in the depth of grief, you feel like you'll never feel joy again. I think that's a pretty common thing. We think when you're in that depth, it's like, I am never not going to feel this way. This feels so bad. I'm never going to feel joy again. I'm never going to be able to like s- smile and have it feel real. Um, in my In my hardest times of grief, I remember being in public and like smiling with my mouth and realizing, oh, that smile is not going any deeper. Mm-hmm. And it made me sad to be like, oh, I'm, not, I'm never gonna feel actually happy again. And I'm a pretty smiley person. So it's almost like, mm-hmm. a, I'm never gonna be myself again. Mm-hmm. But what I found, and this all comes back to being present, this is why being present and aware is so valuable. Because as you feel, you'll notice that if you're present, you'll feel moments of joy eventually. So an example for me is literally this is just last week. I had been crying, feeling really down, and I walked outside and I saw it was just my kids were out playing, so I could hear their laughter, and I looked up at the sky, and the sky was blue and it had these beautiful clouds in. It, and I had this feeling of like overwhelming, bubbling joy inside of me. And I had just got done crying like half an hour before. <laughs> but I had this like it was like inside of me, this like joy just bubbling up. And it was just a moment of... And I just felt gratitude for that. Like, ugh, I can feel joy in this present moment. I have access to joy. And it's amazing. Yeah. And with my daughter, she could say... We talked about this feeling. And she's like... Yesterday, she was like, Mom, I felt some joy today. And it felt really good. And I was like, that's awesome. And just because you feel joy doesn't mean you can't go back to sadness, of course. Yeah. It doesn't mean like, Oh, I felt joy today. woo I'm done with the grief. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. We can, we can go in and out and just accept whatever emotion it is. But... I think it's good to remember that it's okay to feel joy when it comes up because joy is in the present moment. And the past, eventually, we can get to the point where the past actually doesn't have power over Mm -hmm. that individual moment of joy. Mm -hmm. So I would just be aware of that, that joy comes, and if we see it and we just feel gratitude for it, instead of pushing it down and being like, oh, no, I have to – because now you're going into self-punishment if you're, like, pushing it away. Mm -hmm. But you also don't have to – Say, but if I'm not feeling, it's been a year, if I'm not feeling joy every second, then there's something wrong with me. That's Mm -hmm. fine, too. Just Mm -hmm. observe whatever you're feeling and be be present with it and feel it. So just to wrap up our, what we've talked about today, because we've covered a lot of stuff about grief, the take home is be present with whatever you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Feel that grief. Allow yourself to go through it. Be intentional on how you soothe yourself. So practice extreme self-care. Give yourself nutritious food and activities that focus on peace or wholesome fun and connection instead of numbing. That's really important. Uh, Get help with forgiveness of others or with yourself. And there's awesome counselors, therapists out there for that. And for Felicia and I, obviously, God is a huge part of that and our spiritual practice. Um, also be willing to see the gifts of grief and be able to see that sacred chance you have to help others who are going through grief as well and be open to feeling joy again because joy will come back and there are moments of joy that we can access at all times, and all stages.
0: Yep, and um, this was a heavy episode that we felt really, really excited 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 like we needed (laughs) excited sad excited to share Um, because we think it's super important and also teaching your kids how to process that is super important and next week we're going to talk about kind of some inspiration once you do start to spark that joy and find the light to push yourself out not push yourself but you guys get out of those those hard times that's all it is just some we're gonna have some really good tips next week to um help yourself out of that struggle. If you feel like you're kind of stuck, like you've accepted the grief and you've worked through it, but now you're like, okay, now let's go. So that will be next week. Let's find the magic.
1: Me, 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 me. Brown cows. <laughs>